going on? Jermaine Johnson, tune in to Turn On The Jets podcast. Hey, this is Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals. Make sure you tune into the Turn On The Jets podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPod11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. It's Jets-Giants week. We talked a little bit trade deadline and for the Jets and, and kind of looked forward to this game a little bit yesterday. We'll kind of go fully in-depth here from a Giants point of view. Art Stapleton's nice enough to join us today. Uh, does some great work covering the Giants. So make sure you guys are kind of plugged into his work. Art, how are we doing today, man? What's up, Will? Doing all right. You know, yeah. another week and... Uh... <laughs> It's always fun when these games come along every four years. Yeah, we get a we get a big time rock fight this week between the three and three Jets and the two and five Giants. Um, this game, I think, as of a week ago, or maybe going into two weeks ago, the Jets Giants were up in Buffalo. You know, everyone's expecting them to get blown out. Then you know the Jets are playing the Eagles. No one's really expecting the Jets to win. The Jets win. The Giants look competitive two weeks in a row. The Jets are off a bye. I feel like as much as this game, we can kind of joke about it. This game has a little bit more interest and intrigue than maybe it would have you know, a couple of, uh, a couple of weeks ago, what have your impressions been, I guess, of the Giants through seven weeks, you know, playoff team last year, win a playoff game, extend their quarterback and all that stuff. And now it's, it's, I kind of feel like it's a different story this year. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, you know, when you look at the head coaches here at the Giants, you know, each of the last three head coaches lost their jobs at the end of the year two, or with four games left in year two. So clearly Brian Dable does not want to go down that road, but I think it does speak to the idea that, you know, look, every year is different. And we've all seen first-year coaches come through not just the league, but this town and make the playoffs. And then year two, whatever doesn't go right is magnified. And I think that for the Giants, you know, I think they combine with a very difficult schedule early on. You know, I didn't pay too much attention to the schedule early on because I figured that, you know, this was going to be a step up in competition that they needed to take. Unfortunately, they failed to take that step up, you know, and we saw the results. And other than the second half in Arizona, you know, this team was dead in the water. So I do think they're finding themselves a little bit more on the defensive end the last last couple of weeks. And I think, you know, at this point, you know, this is a, a juice game, which is how some guys have referred to it yesterday. I think there's some juice here. I don't know if either one of these teams is going to be dancing in January, but we'll, we'll see what happens for, for the end of October. This is about as good as we can ask for given all the circumstances. I feel like it sounds crazy, but like if the giants first drive of the season goes a different way, like, are we having a different conversation? Because I felt like they're moving the football. There was all this excitement, you know, giants, Sunday night football, jets, Monday night football and giants are moving the football on that first drive. It was a, I guess it was what the full start, a fumble, and then the block kick. And it was like Andrew Thomas gets hurt, Daniel Jones gets rattled, they're down seven nothing. It was like the season just spiraled for like a month. Like, I know it sounds crazy, but if that, if they score on that first drive, like, are we maybe having a different conversation about the Giants? It felt like they couldn't, it started spiraling, they couldn't get under control for a damn near a month there. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You know, you, you look at what happened, you expect a team that accomplished what they accomplished last year to be more mentally tough. Uh, not to say that they were soft, but, you know, they got hit in the mouth and the Cowboys just kept punching, you know, that first night. And I, I really. This team was punch drunk for a month. You know, they won in Arizona with that second half comeback, but then they had a comeback without certain guys on that team with no Saquon 
and playing a Thursday night against San Francisco of all teams in San Francisco's home opener. Now, you know, recency bias, people look at the 49ers and they're like, well, they lost to Minnesota on Monday night. You know, maybe they weren't that good of a team. I mean, I call BS on that. You know, San Francisco at that moment was the best team in the NFL. Uh, and then you see what they did to Dallas a couple of weeks later. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think you could probably play that game. I mean, I'm sure Jets fans would love to go back to Christmas Eve 2011 and say, you know, if, if someone just tackles Victor Cruz at the end of that first half, who knows if the Jets are making a run to their third straight championship game. And, you know, who knows what happens after that. So, you know, we could play that game all we want, but I do think it's a very fair point from that first drive and the way things ended. You mentioned losing Andrew Thomas. I mean, you know, you want to talk about injuries. You know, we saw what happened to Aaron Rodgers with the Jets. You know, look what happened to Andrew Thomas. You know, the guy is chasing. I mean, what do you do? You tell your star left tackle, if the field goal gets blocked, don't chase him because we don't want you to hurt your hamstring and be out two months. You know, these guys are football players. They're competitive. We'll imagine the video would be at the line of scrimmage as the play went the other direction. You know what I mean? So, you know, we – in hindsight, if I tell you, look, if Thomas chases the play, he's going to be out for two months and it's going to cripple your offensive line, you know, then you'd say, okay, well, whatever. But, uh, you know, imagine the reaction if Thomas didn't chase down that play or at least attempt to chase down that play. Oh, yeah, it would be uh, it would be an abject disaster uh, on sports radio the next morning. Either I'm way, right? Yeah, either way, it's, it's a disaster. I want to kind of ask you a little bit about the last two weeks because – I think Tyrod Taylor's been fine. Um, he gets the ball out a little quicker. You know, he's a little bit more efficient in terms of in the pocket. And he's a little more slippery. He's not as good of a runner as Daniel Jones, but he's a little more slippery in the pocket. All that said, they've scored like 25 total points. It's not as if, you know, they've been lighting the world on fire. I I don't know what we'll see. You know, it feels like Daniel Jones, if he doesn't practice today, you know, with contact, it's like, I don't know how you can really play him on Sunday. That said, like, where do you stand with this quarterback thing? Because I know Amani Toomer said this a million times. It's like, you follow the money, right? And like, at the end of the day, the Giants are paying this guy $40 million. Um, all that said, obviously, they've looked a little bit better the last two weeks. I think it also has to do with the opponents and, and you know, Washington just not very good. I guess, what do you make of this QB thing? I don't know if it's a controversy, but I it's coming. If, you know, if the Giants win this week, it's kind of hard to say, let's bench Tyrod. It's a lot, it feels a lot like the Jets last year, where it's like, if Mike White keeps playing well, how do we bench him for Zach, um, even if he's yeah. healthy? Yeah, it's a tough, it's a, it's a tough call from a fan perspective, certainly, because you look at the big picture and you want to say, again, I go back to that whole, you know, in the immediacy of it, well, Tyrod just beat Washington. And I think there are a lot of Giants fans, probably the Giants too, that look at that and say, you know, if they don't fumble that you know, that muff, that punt by Sterling Shepard at the beginning of the third quarter. And then if Saquon doesn't get the ball ripped away from him by Deron Payne, you know, maybe Giants win that game 24 nothing and has an even bigger feel for how good and how well, you know, they played with Tyrod Taylor. But I agree with you. Uh, you know, this is Daniel Jones's offense. It, you know, I, I truly believe this. If Daniel Jones played against Washington last week, I mean, there have been two owners of Washington until this new ownership of the commanders and that's Daniel Snyder and Daniel Jones, you know, Daniel Jones has owned Washington since he's been here. Uh, and you could say that about a lot of teams for how Washington has played. Uh, but if Daniel Jones is playing on Sunday rather than Tyrod Taylor, I don't think the giants offense uh, 
is any worse. Um, you know, but look, you got to play the teams you play. And I think, you know, the Giants learned in 2021 when Jones went out with his neck injury. People forget that the last game Jones played, they beat the Eagles. They were still that feeling that maybe they get on a run at the end of Joe Judge's last season and, you know, make another push that maybe they're, you know, toward respectability. They put, went to Mike Glennon and Jake Fromm, and it was a disaster. Tyrod Taylor is the backup quarterback. They made the investment in Tyrod Taylor. You know, I heard this summer from people, from Giants fans, well, what do they need, Tyrod? You know, why are they paying him? You can save that, you know, $3 million, whatever it was that they were going to pay him this year. This is why you have Tyrod Taylor. So you got to give this front office credit for making the investment in Tyrod Taylor. Still, you know, if Tyrod Taylor doesn't make the mistake at the end of the first half in Buffalo, or if they're able to punch the ball in, you know, if Jones is under center at the end of that game in Buffalo, talk about a running threat. You know, they probably get that ball in the end zone because of the dual threat nature of the quarterback. As you mentioned, Tyrod's not that dual threat. Too many times we look at, at quarterbacks and the way they navigate the pocket and we get fooled and say, well, they're a running quarterback. Daniel Jones is a running quarterback. Tyrod Taylor is not, at least not in this stage of the game. So I don't think it's a controversy. I think it's, you know, anything to add juice. You know, like you said, the Giants are two and five. Uh, I do think, you know, that Mike White thing last year, uh, what happened in the Jets locker room, I don't believe that's what's happening in the Giants locker room. I think there are a lot of people. I think Daniel Jones is uh, respected by this locker room. I think Tyrod Taylor is respected by this locker room. I think the teammates are happy for Tyrod. Don't get me wrong. But if Daniel Jones is now installed as the quarterback, I don't think that the, the, there's a revolt in the locker room. I think they're, they're okay, let's go. Let, let, let's, let's get this offense where it needs to be. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I don't think people are sitting there. If a guy who won them a playoff game last year, is gonna, they're going to sit there and say, this guy sucks. Like, I don't think everyone, you know, I think since Daniel Jones got extended, a lot more people have gotten paid as well. Um, whether he deserved the money or not, that's the way, it's the way the cookie crumbles, right? You know, it's, Right. Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams is a good player. He had a big year right before he's a free agent. Guys who get sacks and pressures get paid, and he got paid probably too much. But at the end of the day, like it's not your money, so I don't know why people get right. so upset about it. You know, I mean, you know, if you want to make this about a referendum about Daniel Jones and whether the Giants should have paid him what they paid him, and you know, if you have doubts about him being a franchise quarterback, that's all well and good. I mean, that's a debate that we could certainly have, and will be ongoing now because of the way Daniel Jones started this season. Uh, but in terms of Tyrod Taylor versus Daniel Jones, I think people kind of missed the boat a little bit. I mean, would Tyrod Taylor have given them a better opportunity against San Francisco or Dallas on opening night? I mean, I don't know if Eli Manning or, you know, <laughs> Tom Brady would have had a chance against Dallas on opening night in the driving rain, the way that game turned. Uh, I, I just think the Giants – you know, they, they met their match and they were they faced mismatches the way they did, um, you know. But look, it, it is what it is. That's the way we assess the league now. It's got to be a week-to-week thing. And Daniel Jones is a lightning rod, rod of a different sort in this town. And, you know, people who said that he was overrated when they drafted him will never move off of that. And yeah. whenever they get an opportunity to say – how bad Daniel Jones is, they will. And Daniel Jones has fed into that with poor play this season and now an injury uh, that calls into question where they go from here. So we'll see. We'll see what happens.
happens, but I agree with you. I think it's Tyrod with Tommy DeVito as the backup again against the Jets on Sunday. Yeah, it just feels like if you're not cleared for contact by today, it's really hard for me to convince my convince anybody out of Friday practice, which is usually non-contact anyways, right. that, that all of a sudden you're going to throw them out there against a Jets defensive line that's creating pressure like very few teams in the NFL do. I have two other Giants kind of questions here, and then we'll kind of talk Jets-Giants a little bit in terms of this matchup. The defense feels like the Seattle game, they played pretty well. They had a couple of missed tackles that, you know, the Kenneth Walker one almost was one of the embarrassing plays of the year. But like the first couple of weeks, they looked terrible on defense. And then since then, it feels like they've definitely looked like a much more stout unit. Um, They still blitz a ton. Obviously, I think it's second highest in the league. I don't feel like they tackle great. And there's the Kayvon Thibodeau, which is – you want to talk about lightning rod for whether you like Kayvon or not. Um, just ask Carl Banks, who will be on tomorrow, with him and uh, Sal and uh, BT on WFN. That was an interesting uh, exchange. I, I guess I say all that to say, is the Giants' defense legit good, or are they just playing well? I know that sounds like a stupid question, but I think there's two different – like, I think the Jets' defense is good and playing well. I'm kind of not sure if the Giants' defense is, like, actually good – or are they a decent unit that's playing really well? And then B, what what do we do with Kayvon Thibodeau here? Because the numbers aren't bad, but the eye test tells you it's really been like three quarters of good football and a lot of like, eh, not not quite as exciting. Um, I guess what do you make of both uh, both those? Well, I think there are several players on this defense. I mean, just like on the Jets, when you want to talk who the, who the important players are on the Jets, and we can get into that, you know, uh, Bobby Okereke, the way he's developed now. On the Micah, McFad- Micah McFadden, too. That, that's and, a nice yeah. combo. Okereke and McFadden. You talk about the inside linebacker pairings for both of these teams. I think that is a big factor going into Sunday. Uh, you know, who can dictate that? You know, the Giants have been raving about C.J. Mosley. I mean, you know, what Quincy Williams has done for the Jets. I think you look at Okereke and Micah McFadden, what they've done is they've kind of stabilized all three levels of the Giants defense, uh, especially playing behind Dexter Lawrence. You know, look, Dexter Lawrence is probably going to line up right over center and try to basically dominate the game, which is what he did against Washington. Uh, And it'll be interesting to see if the Jets can hold up because everything will come off of how they try to block Dexter. Uh, You know, that, that creates Leonard Williams that, and you mentioned Thibodeau, uh, but another guy I want to mention in the back end is Deontay Banks, their rookie corner, uh, who really has been outstanding this year. Uh, he's not at the sauce level of last year where sauce, you know, right out the bat, you knew sauce was going to be a contender for defensive rookie of the year. Uh, I don't think Banks is at that level uh, in terms of production, but what Banks has been able to do and the receivers that he's seen uh, so far this season and what he's done has been tremendous. I mean, he battled Terry McLaurin. Uh, who really, if you're not in the NFC East, you're probably not looking at Terry McLaurin too much and saying, ah, he's not in that top 10. But McLaurin is as good as any receiver in the league outside of Tyreek Hill. Um, So I think what Banks did last week, his tackling uh, really made a huge difference. There were a couple plays last week where on third down, he made tackles of McLaurin, where in the past, Giants corners would have allowed McLaurin to get to the sticks. Uh, So what they've been able to do on the back end having a guy like Banks uh, in Wink Martindale's schematic system. Um, And, you know, that's where it comes back to Thibodeau. Um, I think Thibodeau is a lot better against the run than people give him credit for. Um, You know, look, he's gotten to the point where he has four, you know, five and a half sacks, four and a half after last week. um, And then, and then five and a half, 
Um, he, look, he, he's not Micah Parsons, but that is a ridiculous comparison. He's playing on the line of scrimmage as an outside linebacker. Micah's flowing. I mean, Micah's all over the place. And I think you mentioned Carl, Carl Banks. Carl made that point yesterday about Micah. It wasn't that Kayvon would be Micah if the Giants used Kayvon as Micah. It was if Micah was used as Kayvon's used, he wouldn't necessarily have the splash plays or as many splash plays as he does. And that's when he brought up the San Francisco game and said, you know, they used Micah as really a guy to set the edge and, and you know, pound against that San Francisco run game. You know, Kayvon's doing that. Micah's not doing that. Why is Micah not doing that? Because he could dominate a game and wreck a game from playing the position that he's playing. So, um, look, Kayvon Thibodeau, I think he's I think he's a, a fine player. I think he's ascending. Do you expect more as a top-five pick? Absolutely. But I'll give you this, Will, and Jets fans listening will, will get it. You mentioned Leonard Williams earlier. Leonard Williams is a very good football player. Very good. Because of where he was picked by the Jets, the Jets never loved him, never embraced him. He never lived up to being a top six, right? He was six overall, I think, Leonard. Yeah. So, and, and then when he came to the Giants, he was always fighting the idea of, well, get him and trade it for him. How ridiculous was that? Then they gave him a big contract. If Leonard Williams was elsewhere, just as a first-round pick, Leonard Williams is a guy who, with his production, now, look, he's on a back nine now, I think, fighting a lot of injuries last year. But Kayvon's kind of in that ilk. He's going to play the game. You're going to appreciate him for what he does. But is he a dominant player? Not right now, no. Will he develop into that? Probably not. But he's still a good player. So I think that's kind of where it gets lost. He's really the Leonard Williams of 2023. You know, ultimately, if the Jet, if the Giants changed front offices and, you know, it got to a point where they just didn't think Kayvon Thibodeau lived up to the top five billing, they'd probably trade him in two years, which is what the Jets did to Leonard. But you can't tell me Leonard Williams wouldn't be a good player on the Jets right now. Oh, you know, yeah. And I think that's kind, of, that's kind of where Kayvon Thibodeau falls right now. And I think, can he make that jump? Well, I think a lot of factors – you know, play into that. I mean, look, he's got five and a half sacks. You can't say the guy has no sacks. What is he doing? Then he gets five and a half sacks and you start breaking down each individual sack and saying, well, that wasn't a good sack. That was a coverage sack. If we're going to do that in this league, there's probably a lot of guys that we don't break film on around the league that get a lot of attention. Like Carl Banks mentioned Khalil Mack on that FAN interview. You know, we're not watching Khalil Mack every week. You know, there's a reason why Khalil Max played dip the last two years. And then all of a sudden he's playing on national television and he's getting five sacks in a game. And you're like, whoa, it's Khalil Mack. And it's like, well, go and watch him every down. So that's my take on Thibodeau. I think he is, he's similar to Leonard Williams is that taking top five overall, you're expecting Aiden Hutchinson. You're not expecting Trayvon Walker and Kayvon Thibodeau. And that's what you're getting. You're getting that guy who's a good player, who's going to get better, but is not the great player. And I think you want the great player at five overall. Uh, he's just not that player. And I don't know if he will be that player. Yeah, Cleo Mack, uh, nice. The best way to do it, six sacks in one game and have seven on the year. Uh, right. Certainly, certainly exactly. a way to infl in, uh, inflate your stats. Um, one thing I also thought was kind of crazy is, look, I understand the pressures for a sacks thing. I've talked about this a million times. Bryce Huff gets pressured 
like very few people in the NFL do. He only's got, I think he only has two and a half sacks. You're not sitting there saying Bryce Huff's not productive. Bryce Huff's incredibly productive. He's the best uh, pressure rate and all these different things in the NFL. The whole point of pressures, which Kayvon has, I believe, 14 through uh, through seven games, obviously you'd like to see that maybe increase a bit. But, you know, at the end of the day, like him and Jermaine Johnson are more of who you should be comparing is in terms of same draft class guys that, you know, both line up in a, in a four down front that have to stop the run, that have to rush the passer, um, things of that nature. Like those are the guys you're kind of should be comparing. First of all, Michael Parsons is in the TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, Aaron Donald class of like the four best defensive players in the NFL. Um, Absolutely. So I don't understand why that's the thing. But again, I heard yesterday a couple of things of like, oh, well, what does he do? Get pressure? Like, dude, that's how you create turnovers. That's how you cause, that's how you get teams off the field on third down. That's how you force field goals. That's why the Jets defense is so good. They get pressure with four. They force you into bad takeaways, uh, you know, bad throws, bad decisions. You know, unless you're, unless the Cowboys game, everybody else is panicked in the pocket because that's what quarterbacks do. They make bad decisions. Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, and Mahomes did that against the Jets. And that's what pressure is for. Um, I want to ask you about this kind of quote unquote robbery. I've heard, you know, some people think it's not a robbery. They play every four years. Some people hate Jets fans, hate Giants fans. It kind of feels like depends on who you ask. And, you know, JFM yesterday with, uh, I draw Franklin Myers and the Jets with a great quote. He's like, I don't give a fuck yeah. about any little brother, big brother. I just want to win. Uh, which I thought was that's JFM new T. Every time he's been on this show, he's been uh very much the same way. Do you feel like it's a, a rivalry? And how I know again, these are two teams that you can make a strong case. Look, the Giants could easily win two of their next three games and be four and five in the thick of the playoff race. The Jets could easily win their next three games and be six and three and first in the division. Like there's a real possibility on both ends. This game means a lot to the fan bases, but do you feel like it is a real rivalry? And like how important is this game for both teams? It's like, you know for the next couple of, I guess, next month of being in contention still. You know, it's funny because you listen to Tiki Barber uh, on FAN and, you know, and he said, you know, it wasn't really a rivalry when we played and you talk to some players like, like Leonard Williams, you know, has been on both sides, you know, and, and he was just like, yeah, you know, it's just, an, you know, just another big game. Um, I, I think, you know, I asked Dable this yesterday, the idea of paranoia, you know, the idea that I think in, in, if this were 15 years ago, or even 10 years ago without social media, I think, you know, you'd have the situation where, you know, John Franklin Myers makes that comment yesterday. Now everybody is running to the giants here today, trying to get the giants reaction, you know, it, it, and that's not happening because there's paranoia in the NFL everywhere. Like what you say today is in Dallas three minutes later on social yeah. media, literally you know everybody I mean? so, already sees it. Right. So it's, it's not like you're worrying about, you know, well, you know, the, the daily news or the times or the post or FAN or focus on this game. So now all of a sudden the jets are going to hear what's going on with the giants and vice versa. It's a different world today. You know, it doesn't matter. 32 teams that they've got guys up in the offices following Twitter, trying to, you know, piece together videos from practice about what guys are doing. So it's a different level of paranoia. I do think that, that Rex Ryan created, yeah, 20, 2011, it, it was a real rivalry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did the top 10 most, you know, most memorable moments and there were probably four or five from that one game in, in on Christmas Eve in 2011, you know, between Rex and Brandon Jacobs, between the curtains, Victor Cruz, obviously Ahmad Bradshaw's touchdown run over Brodney pool. I mean, and people forget you don't jets fans don't, but, the Jets were on the upswing there. 
I mean, that was the Jets game to have. I mean, the Jets needed that to get back in the playoffs. I covered those two games in the AFC championship games. I was at in 2010 up in Foxborough when they beat the Pats in the playoffs. I mean, the Jets were the team. And it's not that they were the big brother, as Rex wanted to say, but they were the team. I mean, the Giants were scuffling at 7-7. Seven and seven. I mean, and that game changed the trajectory for both franchises. So is it a rivalry? I, I don't know about being a rivalry. I mean, you talk about Jets, Pats. I mean, come on, Cowboys, Giants, Cowboys, Eagles, Giants, Cowboys, Eagles. Um, but I, I do think that there is something to it, the idea that, Fans are fans now, and more and more when the teams are, are at least think they should be competitive. I think that this offseason for the Jets set up the Giants fan to look at it and kind of laugh at them a little bit when Rodgers got hurt uh, because they, you know, it was definitely acknowledged in this building. I'm sitting here outside Giants facility. There's no doubt that the Giants were paying attention to all the attention that the Jets were getting in the offseason, uh, and it would not shock me that anyone in this building looked at it and said, oh, we feel bad for the Jets. You feel bad for an injury like Rodgers, but I'm sure there were a lot of people around the league and certainly in East Rutherford that were like, see, you know, you build something around, you know, the way you did, you all, you did all your talking. Um, but um, but look, it's a huge game. You laid it out. This game could kind of set up the rest of the season for both teams. And it sounds silly, but, you know, look, the Jets haven't played since the Eagles. We know their their history as a team, you know, since 2015 coming off a bye. It's a big spot for Robert Sala. Like, you can't come and lay an egg against the Giants. You know, it's a big spot for the Giants because if they win this game, then they go to Vegas and a team that, you know, seemingly can't get out of its own way at times. You look what happened in Chicago last week. So, from that perspective, this is one of those throw the records out the window because these are pretty good teams who might compete pretty well against one another. And at the end of the day, the team that wins is going to do a lot of crowing on Monday. Uh, and there are going to be a lot of answers that have to be uh, provided for the team that loses. So, yeah, rivalry, yeah, we'll see. But it, rivalry is all about moments, right? I mean, you know, you wouldn't remember a preseason game back in 2010 uh, if not for Calvin Pace bloodying Eli Manning. I mean, that might be the best Jets moment in Giants-Jets history other than the Jets costing them a playoff. I think it was in 98 or 88 when the Jets beat them late in the year. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll see. That that game was also the Victor Cruz game. So it's kind of crazy how, you know, having done all these moments, a lot of them were concentrated in certain areas. So, yeah. look, I'm looking forward to it. It's It's good to deal with guys. You know, cover the Jets. You know, you're friends with people. You respect everybody. It's just fun how everybody comes from two different perspectives. And then Sunday, it's going to all come to a head. Yeah, no, i am be interested to see, you know, how this kind of thing. It's, you know, 2011, 2015 were huge, you know, on both sides, obviously. Um, you know, 2015, you know, the Jets needed that game to to stay in the playoff fund. Obviously, the Jets are 8-5 and five in 2011. And, you know, you feel like you're going back to another, a third, you know, third title game or potentially a Super Bowl, and the Giants end up going to win the Super Bowl that year because the Jets blow it the last three games. Right. Um, you know, even you think back to 2019, it was like both those teams were bad, but it was like even during that game, it was like Daniel Jones, a young player, is he does he have it? Is Sam, you know, going to put some string together, some games here? Like 
you know, the training camp practices in 04, 05, I believe, with Shockey and Jonathan Vilma. I mean, those guys going at it. Then there's Johnny also been, yeah, there's other, and Tom yeah, then there's been some other moments. And, you know, I remember going as a kid, it's, you know, it was, I got, you know, I get fired up about it because it's cool. And you have friends that are Jets and Giants fans and people that cover the team that you kind of like to talk some shit to and vice versa and whatever. Right. But, you know, I, I think this one is one of those games where, look, the Jets are in a spot that this game isn't must win because it's a non-conference game. They have three straight or four straight conference games upcoming that are you're far more important. That said, you'd love to be four and three going into this Chargers game, you know, on Monday night football in, in a week's time and going, Hey, I don't know. Does Miami lay an egg against New England? Does Buffalo lay an egg tonight on Thursday night football? Now we're in first place in the division. Like, you know, there's that real possibility. And you mentioned with the giants, you'd much rather go into that Dallas game four and five and saying, can we kind of avenge this, you know, that 40 to nothing blowout and the NFC is not very good at the bottom. Uh, Minnesota was sellers two seconds ago. And now all of a sudden they have a 50% chance to make the playoffs, right? It's crazy. But I guess on either side, do you have like a guy that you're kind of most interested to watch that you think have the biggest impact, non quarterbacks, by the way, I just want to hit on this, even though I can't believe I have to even say this, Zach Wilson going away with his girlfriend, a pumpkin pick and see his family in Utah. Let's not make that a story. Um, I know it's a couple of individuals that made it a story. It's not a big deal. You're not even allowed in the building on the bye week under certain days under like the new, uh, the new like kind of bylaws and stuff like that. So Let's not make a story out of that. I understand he's not a very good quarterback. I also understand that guys do need a break. They've been going nonstop. The Jets played an extra preseason game, started camp two weeks earlier than everybody else. Can't believe I just had to bring that up. That's, That's ridiculous. Funny. Yeah. Well, That's I mean, ridiculous. Look, the Giants know Giants know what it's like when the bye week stuff comes up. I mean, they lost one of the oh, McKinney last year, right? On an ATV. I mean, you know, if he had gone pumpkin picking, nobody would have said anything, you know, unless the pumpkin falls on his ankle and you know, he breaks his ankle, you know, I, hey, look, I've been apple orchards in, uh, in Rockland County. I mean, I know what it's like, you know, you, you could twist an ankle, you oh, know, yeah. walking around on those apples, but I agree with you. Come on. Like we're really reaching at this point. There's no reason. There's so stuff. many storylines. I don't know why we, we don't have to reach for that. There's so much going on exactly. that like, I just feel like that was an unnecessary thing, but is there a player on each side that you feel like, you know, we're talking Monday morning or Sunday night or whatever you're writing, I'm potting and the whole thing. And like, we're talking about one guy in each side of the, you know, each team that we're like non-quarterback aside, that probably makes a huge difference on, uh, on Sunday. You know, I think um, on the, we'll go offensive first. I, I think Jalen Hyatt is the player because of what happened in the preseason with those two plays with sauce and coverage. Um, you know, I think that early on will be a lot of attention given to that. Um, I, I think, you know, John Michael Schmitz, the rookie center for the Giants, could be back on Sunday. I think he has a better chance of playing than Andrew Thomas does at left tackle. Um, so Schmitz in that center of that defense with Quinnen kind of, you know, picking his spots on the interior, that could be a big spot uh, if the Giants especially leak and all of a sudden Tyrod is kind of, you know, having a hard time navigating the pocket, which is what he's done well the last two weeks is that he's navigated that pocket a lot better than Daniel Jones has. Um, but I'll give you the one on offense. Look, it's Saquon Barkley. Brees Hall is coming here and the Jets fans and the Giants are waiting for Brees Hall to break off a 70 yarder. Saquon is somebody that could really change this game and take contract debates aside and all this stuff about trading. They're not trading him. Saquon, when the last two weeks, there have been glimpses. Sunday, he had that fumble inside the tent. 
We know how competitive Saquon is. His father grew up a Jets fan. He grew up rooting for the Jets because of his dad. Uh, his dad has the Jets tattoo. Saquon Barkley is a player who can change this game for the Giants on Sunday. Uh, and, and I do think the Jets might not be as aware uh, of how good Saquon can be at his best because he hasn't shown that yet this year. And I think that's something that I would imagine Robert Sala has got to convince his guys. I'd be showing kind of making a highlight film of Saquon Barkley's best plays as a career and saying, look guys, this is what we might be up against on Sunday. You got to, got to pay attention to that. Um, and, and then defensively, I mean, we mentioned Thibodeau. He's obviously a guy that, that you have to watch. Um, but, you know, I will mention again, you know, Deontay Banks, uh, if he's matched up against Garrett Wilson, you know, look, they faced off when it was Ohio State and Maryland in college and Garrett Wilson embarrassed them for a touchdown. Uh, you know, Banks doesn't back down from competition. I, I like that about him. It's probably his best quality. Uh, and I think, you know, if the Jets have a couple opportunities, they'd be stupid to not go out and go after anybody on the Giants back end, especially with the way Wink is going to blitz them. Uh, so if they can get a couple opportunities where Garrett Wilson is singled up uh, on Deontay Banks, uh, that would be a lot of fun. So th those would be kind of my guys to watch. Again, Thibodeau is going to be the lightning rod. So it, we're going to see Thibodeau, if he makes a couple plays, all of a sudden it's going to be, you know, see, he answers his critics. Uh, but if he doesn't, it's going to kind of be, you know, exactly what it's been to this point. Uh, the guy fades in big moments and doesn't really uh, show up in this game. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, no, I, we'll, uh, we'll wrap with this. I think from a Jets point of view, I'll talk more about this a little bit with Carl tomorrow. But I think, you know, Bryce Huff, if Joshua is due to a place um, or anybody, honestly, whether it's Evan Neal, whether it's Andrew Thomas, whoever it is, if Bryce Huff gets gets rolling the way he did against Philly, um, even before Lane Johnson went out, I think he had three or four pressures on like nine snaps against Lane Johnson, who's as good of a right tackle as we've seen in the NFL in the last decade. Yeah. The Giants are going to need to keep like JFM, Bryce Huff, Q. Uh, <laughs> the, the list goes on and on. Jermaine Johnson, Quinn Jefferson, like they're going to need to keep these guys upright for at least two seconds, two and a half seconds um, defensively. You mentioned, you know, competitiveness uh, from Deontay Banks. Saquon Barkley's worst NFL game I've ever seen him play was against the Jets four years ago. He had 13 carries for one, one yard. yard right? One yard, Jamal Adams runs him over and, and the whole touchdown. It was – I've never seen Saquon look like that, and I'm sure he hasn't forgotten about that. He's an incredible player, and I think Saquon's the heartbeat of this, you know, locker room and team. That said, like, if I was him, I'd be, I'd be sitting there going – I cannot have one yard on 13 carries. Because if that happens, the Jets are going to win this game handily. Um, and then offensively for the Jets, Tyler Conklin, we mentioned how good McFadden and Okereke have been. I don't feel like Xavier McKinney has been very good this year, and he does a lot of talking, and he's had some plays where I'm not calling the Geno Smith play dirty, but I'm also not saying that that was not borderline at best and to get in his face. I'd be pissed if I was Geno Smith. I think any Giants fan would have been pissed if I was Daniel Jones. I just feel like he's done a lot of talking and not as much, not as much playing. Um, you know, as, he's a good player. It's just... Not sure I've seen as much from him to warrant as much talking has been has been done. Um, yeah. Tyler Conklin's a safety blanket for Zach Wilson when he's been one on one with linebackers this year and safeties. We saw in the Denver game, we saw against Philly, did it against Buffalo too. He's got this nice little option route. He's won a lot of them against Kansas City as well. Um, keeping the Jets ahead of the change, both these defenses are going to like you know have create a lot of pressure. The Giants more through blitzing. The Jets obviously with four. So 
Conklin. And then, you know, on the other side, again, Bryce Huff and as you mentioned, Saquon and um, Saquon, these linebackers, Dexter Lawrence and Quentin Williams can both destroy a game. Um, yeah, I think we know that yeah. You know, yeah, no, these guys are super high paid for a reason. They're the same, you know, they're, they're all pro level players. They've had moments this year where they've been like, Oh, that wasn't like the best game I've ever seen for them. And then, you know, we've seen games where both guys have dominated the entirety of the game. So I appreciate you hopping on. Obviously we'll have to do this again. Uh, we'll have to do this again, but uh, make sure you guys are following arts work on, you know, on, obviously follow him on Twitter and then, you know, all kind of all the work he's got going on, um, do a lot of good stuff. So appreciate you hopping on as always and, you know, enjoy, uh, enjoy the Snoopy bowl on Sunday, which one of the worst nicknames of a robbery I've ever heard, but it's okay. Yeah. And then MetLife goes out and gets rid of Snoopy, you know, like, yeah, yeah. like what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> oh, judge get. Yeah, no, I appreciate it again. And, uh, we'll be back. We'll be back with Carl Banks tomorrow. Make sure you guys are tuned in from yesterday's episode as well, uh, you know, with Brad Spielberger. And uh, we'll talk to you guys tomorrow.